Hello, this is Bevelizing Eyes, and welcome to Poetry Unraveled, featuring poets worldwide where we uncover the rawness of our inch words that reveal hidden truths, turning the human experience into moments of appreciation and bits of wisdom. Let's start unraveling. Welcome back, guys. This is Bevelizing Eyes, and this is Poetry Unraveled. Today, we have a special guest. Her name is Hannah, and she's all the way from London, UK. Hi, Hannah. Hi, you're all right. <laughs> uh, it's a five-hour difference, so she's in the future right now. <laughs> we met on Instagram. We've been following each other for, like, over a year, and I asked her to be on the show, and she's going to read some of her poetry to us. Um, so, Hannah, could you explain to everyone how you got involved in poetry? Um, yeah, so I was at university and it didn't go very well. And I was sort of looking for a creative outlet because at the time I thought I was going to do academic writing and it just just didn't work out. Um, so I started writing poetry at uni and then I left uni. I didn't have a job. I struggled to get a job didn't really know what I was doing and felt pretty low to be honest um, and poetry just felt like a really natural creative outlet it was definitely something that I enjoyed studying and enjoy reading um, and it just kind of grew from there really. <laughs> That's great and um, how long have you been writing poetry for you would you say? Um, so when was it? it was about the end of 2018 so a couple of years now um, oh. yeah so not very long at all really in, in my opinion I don't think that's a very long time but um yeah a couple of years yeah no that's really interesting because um I've read your work throughout the years and I feel like you have a very specific type of diction and syntax in your in your wording and it's very um what's the word I feel like on an expert level I feel like not oh, no. <laughs> not all. thank you I feel like a lot of the poetry that we read now can be a little bit simplistic. It's very easy to digest, but um, just going over the poems that you sent me before, um, I always am like, all right, I have to take my time reading this because I really have to, you know, go through it slowly, digest every word. It's not something that you can just read in a breeze and just get it right away. And I love that because I feel like that's how poetry <laughs> really should be. You should take your time with it and appreciate it and not just rush through it. So. Thank you. Um, I thought you've been writing poetry for years <laughs> since like you were born. <laughs> oh gosh, I wish. <laughs> I wish I had come to it sooner because um, I, I used to absolutely hate reading and writing of any kind um, and I used to want to do maths and all that so I, I really wish I had come into it sooner so honestly that means a lot so thank you. <laughs> yeah no problem it sounds like you've been doing this for a while but um, <laughs> so you can introduce the the title of the first poem and then you can go ahead and read it. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, the first poem is called Silver Birch. Um, and I wrote, so the start, this started when I was at uni and then it's had quite a few redevelopments since, which I'm sure I will talk about in a bit. But um, yeah, this one's called Silver Birch. My tree, writing love letters with your bark, just as casual a heartbreaker as a change of season, a change in direction written into the course of our timeline. Marked your scrawl as carelessly as if you were dipping us into a doorway to shelter from the rain. Your loveless words blister, whilst your branches redirect the set course and burn my cheeks red raw. I have to feel my way to the ground in order to piece ourselves back together. But what does it matter to tell you about dying when you just assume pain only makes the worst out of our situation? 
Set my jaw to rest on your chin whilst writing delicately, as if you were feeling the soil with your roots to settle in, ready to fuel those unexpressed desires your subconscious is still yet to clock onto. Beautiful. <laughs> you told me that you've never written your, or have spoken your poetry out loud, correct? Yeah, never. That's the first time. And it's it's so weird because I know I'm just like in my room on my own right now. Or you know what I mean? It's not like yeah. it's a, anything, but that was terrifying. <laughs> no, it was great. And I'm so glad <laughs> I got to witness it. Um, and you have such a perfect voice for poetry. I feel like it's so soothing and ASMR in a way. Um, <laughs> That's very kind because when <laughs> I was in college, I used to hate reading out loud. And I, um, I particularly remember reading out loud King Lear you know, and having to be quite expressive with Shakespeare. And I just read yeah. it in a tone voice to make sure I was never picked. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, <laughs> so do you want to explain the title of the poem? Yeah, um, there's not a lot to it. This is the thing I, I find with my poetry. And I don't know if this is going to sound really mean, but I don't always do this, but sometimes I quite like to have a bit of a play with the reader. Um, because, yeah, through studying, we're always taught to look at the title, you know, what does it mean? What are the possible meanings? And honestly, I started this poem and I saw a silver birch and, you know, I was walking on my way to uni, saw a silver birch and I was like, yeah, that could be the title for this one. It's really <laughs> funny. Um, but I do love silver birch trees. They are beautiful, beautiful trees. Um, always remind me of the colder months of the sea. And yeah, but there's really not a lot of other meaning in it. <laughs> So you talk about this tree and is this a real tree that you're talking about or is it metaphor for something else? Um, yeah, so I originally this poem was like 40 to 50 lines long um, and I workshopped it actually at a night school and it really didn't go down very well but basically they just said it was too long. So then I just decided to rework it as a sonnet because I realized that Lots of the metaphors were about my now fiance. Um, and I decided to work it like that, even though it is a bit darker and it's not entirely about him. But um, yeah, so it's more, it's more kind of metaphorical of the relationship I'm in, but also potentially relationships that I have had and mistakes okay. that have been made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like the uh, reoccurring theme of tree and nature throughout the whole poem and I don't know if it was intentional but like you know you said the words um dipping us into a doorway and obviously doorways are made of, out of wood um the words blister and I'm just thinking of like getting like a blister from um you know a little piece of wood and then you talk about uh your cheeks red raw and I just think of like raw wood like it's like you know little type of small little words that just, um, and also you said roots and fuel and things of that sort. So the whole time, like it had a really nature vibe to it. I'm so glad you said that. Cause like, I absolutely love nature and being outdoors and it definitely fuels everything I write even if it doesn't like end up in the final product. Um, but I'm, yeah, I don't know if you heard me just kind of like, hmm, hmm, as you were saying it because um, that was exactly what I intended and just kind of subtle reminders in there um and yeah just to have that recurring through the poem so I'm really glad that you saw that <laughs> yeah yeah no I like that um I'm very particular when it comes to different words because 
you know, you could use a really flat or simple word, but to go the extra mile and use a very specific word and it just, you know, ties the whole poem in together, it really just makes it more concrete. So um, yeah, I really like reading it and just the way you had read it too with all the little intentional pauses and everything, it made it all flow so much more better. So Thank you. I really liked it. I like to try and, um, as well as putting, so like you're saying with the references to wood, I like to try and play with sound patterns as well. Um, so there's lots of like, you know, scroll, raw, jaw, you know, and, and it just yeah. kind of, it creates that kind of flow and the idea of roots and settling in and establishing some kind of, yeah, I don't know. I'm not trying to big up my own work here. I just oh, mean- no, you're right. And see- That's where I was going with that, I guess. That's <laughs> what um, I try to, um, distinguish between different poems and poets out there because you have a great you know poem like this and then there's other poetry that's like you know two to three lines without all of the little embellishments that we add but those embellishments make it so much more better mm -hmm. and it takes time to like craft something like this you just don't write it like in an afternoon you might go back to it a couple of days just to like make it perfect but you know all those little tiny things like I always notice it so I appreciate that you make it that complex because I appreciate things like that um I like to try and consider my work and particularly this one it was in the first collection that I released um so for me that feels like a very long time ago and I just kind of think this this had so many reworkings and like I say the first draft had like between 40 and 59 so to get it down to this and to yeah get more coherent <laughs> you know yeah I'm really glad that you appreciate that because it means a lot <laughs> yeah no it's great um I'm excited about the second one that you're okay. about to read <laughs> and I have a lot of questions so you can go okay. ahead <laughs> um so I just need to put out a disclaimer I was not taking any kind of drugs or alcohol when I wrote this <laughs> this is sober work which is slightly worrying um okay <laughs> right uh, so this one is called about a week of bad sleep how many cats in my kitchen is too many cats in my kitchen? Number one, the broken kitten. My mum gave me this kitten and it was all small and cute and soft and tired. And I stroked and stroked him in the back left of the car and felt his beans between my fingers. And he was happy and tired and jet black and smooth. And then I loved him so hard his belly split. He was two pieces of plastic slotted together with the rim like the inside of a Kinder Egg that only fits if you line it up perfect. And then he was no longer jet black, he was baby blue and not moving. With a felt pink nose, eyes closed and his tag still left on. He didn't stir or purr or try to love me back because I lost all my love for him when I learned he was no longer real. Number two, Ponsettia. Can we get some snow in May because I really want to see some. I keep looking out the window to its gray white sky and waiting to see the scrapings of the clouds fall down onto the ground and harden over when they reach for a map. I don't always need differing shapes and colours. Sometimes I just want it to be as simple as a piece of printed paper before we all started worrying about which tree it came from and how many people were to suffer unfair labour to get it to us. So many consequences. Stressed to high heavens, blessed in the greatest measures. Number three, when it gets to 2.15, I look at my phone, always front camera scrutinise and pick and press and wish for this different and that gone. My bags are so dark, they look like bruises. Number four, FAT. Retrace the lines in my sleep. I can still see where I cut myself. 
I can still see the words I carved as clear and as red as the day I cut them in. It doesn't matter that no one else can tell that I self-harmed, that I hit and burnt and cut and scratched my throat dryly on sore. It matters that I know what I did to myself and I know that I could do it again. Number five, a split in the right knee. Sometimes it gets to the point where my brain recognises how boring I am. So I dream in real life events to try to make them better and more exciting and exaggerated and then they end up not changing and being just as boring, if not more so, than they had been when I had been awake dreaming and living in it. I had a dream. I had a split in my jeans, a big slit through the knee, not near any seams. It wasn't as if they didn't fit or like I'd worn them too much. But just one day when I decided to sit and bend my knee, they decided to split. A gape as an oval revealing a red kneecap from being exposed to the sun too little that when it is, it can't take it. Number six, supermarket library. Just flaking around and shifting from the top to the bottom of the aisles, letting the ladder rungs run along on strings. Mechanisms meant for greater reading than the back of a packet for its fat content. And the ladders reach the ceiling and the aisles are stacked higher with even richer material and ironically just full of unfulfilling content because you have to sift through to find what suits you and your environment and where you are in life. Your class and ethics and decision-making abilities all come into play in it. So first of all, um, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know where to start. I don't know if I want to ask about the title. Yeah, let's start there. Explain yeah. the title. <laughs> Again, very self-explanatory. Um, within this week, this is literally like this. Well, this is six nights of dreams and what I remember from each night. Uh, what what is the most memorable dream I had? And I can I can have very vivid dreams, um, particularly when I'm very sleep deprived. And this week, I think in total, I got about twenty hours of sleep. Well, you know, over these six days, I had about twenty hours of sleep. So my mind was really running on nothing, <laughs> and this is what it produced. <laughs> so each of these poems are about a dream. Yeah, yeah, they're the most like memorable dream that I had in the morning because because usually I don't remember my dreams unless they're really vivid or really bad um but th these six days I just remembered these six dreams and I just thought I've got to write it down wow that's crazy <laughs> so like yeah. do any of these dreams actually pertain to your real life or was it just complete random um yeah number four and number five actually number four and five are very real um the others well and number three I guess as well <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd say that I've never had a baby blue kitten that broke in half. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I have looked at my phone at 2.15 and wondered why my eye bags were so big. <laughs> That's probably because I'm looking at my phone at 2.15. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, that just puts a whole hmm. other perspective and a whole other layer that I wasn't anticipating, but oh, makes okay. it much cooler. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I was about to ask, okay, so I'm thinking all these things happen throughout the week in your real life, and then you just happen to pick, or or you picked all these different scenarios and you group them all together for some reason, but it's complete random. Yeah, yeah, so, it was a very random week, but then when I was writing it out, because originally I was sort of doing this as six separate poems, mm -hmm. and them that way, and then when I was yeah, when I was writing it, I was like, this just works so well together and they're so random, like you say, and so odd and just army, same yeah. Yeah. just so random that they need to be together to completely blow everyone's minds. 
Yeah, no, because I was like, all right, what is the common theme between all of these? How do they all connect? Mm. And I just couldn't find it. No, a, <laughs> yeah, and I, I like that there isn't, you know, it's yeah. in, it dots around a bit, but I think that that's what sleep can be, and particularly being sleep deprived. Yeah. I, I know this is going to sound like a bit of a stretch, but I do believe it is a form of insanity, whether it's self-inflicted or not. You really, it's so hard to explain it because when you're in it, you don't recognize it until you're looking at it like this. And I mean, I've had fairly good sleep recently and I'm looking at this and I'm just thinking, wow, I'm, I'm absolutely nuts, you know, but you yeah. don't realize that sort of headspace until you're in it. And when you're in it, you can't recognize it. That makes any sense. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, it does and it just makes the title that much better even though I still don't understand how many cats in my kitchen is too many cats in my kitchen is that um, the, you rambling and being too sleepy to understand what you're saying no that that line is from a song and in one of my it's a real song but in one of my dreams that was like on in the background and I just thought this is absolutely ideal because it's the kind of thing I would dream about. And also it's a good question. How many cats is too many cats, but only specifically in the kitchen. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like a roller coaster just going through this poem and I really enjoy it. Um, and I'm still not done with it. So yeah. <laughs> the, first, the first one, number one, the broken kitten. Um, it's interesting because even though this is all stuff in your dreams and you weren't really trying to be finding meaning in all these I kind of still did find a little bit of meaning in it so oh, for example <laughs> yeah because like you're talking about this little toy and you know I, I just love how you said he didn't stir or purr or try to love me back because I lost all my love for him when I learned he was no longer real and I think that applies to so many things like when we don't yeah. get like the love that we expect for somebody you kind of just start to hate them already just because you didn't get what you wanted you know what I mean um and also like the whole time like it didn't it didn't even like register in my mind that this kitten wasn't real until you said at the very end he wasn't real because you're like stroking him and you and I'm like he she loved him so hard that his belly split I'm like what like what happened to the kitty (laughs) I mean the it was weird because when I was like writing this out and I literally the first draft was just writing out what happened in my dream mm-hmm. um, and I used to thing is I used to always sit in the back left of the car and I often had my headphones in and you know my mum mum would usually from the passenger seat would give me something if you know it's a long journey or whatever so there was some kind of realistic element I guess or when I was writing it I could picture myself being there and I had my camouflage converse on I had my bright yellow headphones you know it was it felt like it could be real right I'm not trying to to promote anything here but it was why it was in this collection where I was talking about reality and distinguishing reality from fantasy and how we can make projected experiences our real experiences and it's crazy how the two weave together so yes this is completely made up I've never had a baby blue kitten but I could very much picture myself as a young child having it and splitting it yeah. in two. It, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really like it. Um, and then the second poem. Yeah. Um, so can you explain what you mean by stressed at high heavens and blessed in the greatest measures? Um, yeah, I think it was just, I, I'm a very panicky person and I get stressed a lot. And I don't, um, I don't recognize how fortunate I am 
and I think when I'm so stressed I'm blind to everything right. and it, it's so ironic that I am so blessed and I am so fortunate and yet I still can't see it right. I think what I meant by that you know um I really don't have a lot to get panicky about or complain about and I always find something yeah um, I have an ironic comment on my attitude to life and I don't know if, it, if this poem is really that deep but I was sort of saying can we get some snow in May you know and this idea like it was May the sky was grey and I wanted snow and it wasn't good enough for me that there wasn't snow it's that kind of thing where I'm just never happy where I am it's more, it's more of a really mean comment about myself really <laughs> I'm quite I'm quite good at writing poetry like that <laughs> but you know I think it's important that you at least are aware of this and that makes you that much more, you know, it's, it's, it's a way of showing that there is self-growth going on because a lot of people are unaware of the attitude that they have and they always have this mindset that they're always right. And that kind of thing can be toxic for someone. So like, you know, even if it falls through within poetry, like, and I do really like that line, stress the high heavens, bless them the greatest measures. It even has like a good um, rhythm to it. Um, mm. It just really explains, you know, that's like the type of thing that every person can relate to. Like we're all stressed, but at the mm. same time, we all have so many blessings and mm. it's, you know, humbling to remember that and to keep focusing on that because then, you know, perhaps your stress will go down. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And I, I think as well, like I say, I'm a very panicky person and stress is somewhat natural. So I almost kind of create it for myself. So in a way being stressed means I'm blessed. You know, it means that that's, it feels comfortable in a right. way. I don't know, it's, yeah, a bit layered that one. <laughs> and then number four, mm. so for the readers that can't read the poem, it's F-A-T spelled E-F-F-A-Y-T-E-E -E in three mm. words. And yeah. then I remember reading it and I'm like, what is this F-A-T? Like, what is she saying? And I'm like, these are letters, F-A-T, as in fact. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, how creative is that? Like, I need to use that <laughs> in a poem. <laughs> and well, then it made everything <laughs> else make sense. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing is I, I don't know if this is me being really pretentious, but I thought if I just spelled it out, it would be too obvious and it would detract from what I'm trying to say in the poem. And even though the poem is pretty obvious, you know, I talk about it very explicitly. I just, I don't know, I was trying to soften it a bit. Yeah. If you saw the words spelled out F-A-T, you would just skip past it or you just think, oh, here's another rich bitch. Here's another white kid trying to, you know, play into that. Right. Those kind of comments of those kind of feelings. Um, but yeah, that part of my life, is and was very real and I just needed to share it because again you can experience something like that and it's and it's real and then you experience it in a dream on a whole other level it's very scary it's very scary like dreaming that kind of thing and then waking up and you haven't done it or you have done it or whatever so yeah having the title like that just to soften it and to have people read that very honest um account of what it can be like yeah I, I do enjoy that kind of wordplay though. It, and it does just, you know, it does soften the poem, like you said, because it is already so intense. And then 
probably people won't even get it when they first read the, the, the title and they'll just skip to the poem and then maybe go ahead and reflect on the title again to make it more sense. But yeah, um, yeah I do understand. And then, so number five, a split in the right yes. knee. <laughs> so do you wanna explain you know, what this poem means to you? Yeah, um, so in real life, I, I had a split in my gene. Um, in my dream, my genes just didn't stop splitting. Mm. It was just in my dream that then led to, you know, everything else kind of falling apart. And I just sort of thought, you know, what does this mean? <laughs> I just had to kind of explore it a bit. And I don't know, it just, it's a, that one is a weird one for me. I'm a bit in two minds about it because it did happen in real life, but then for whatever reason, I decided to dream it and make it so much more intense than it actually yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I say, um, I'm, I, yeah, sometimes it gets to a point where I recognize how boring I am. And that, that was the thing. I was, I was actually dreaming about my genes splitting. <laughs> you know? um, again, that's what a sleep deprived mind can do. It can make something so ordinary as that seemed like the worst thing in the world. Um, and definitely right. in my dream that led to mass destruction, which is not, not ideal. <laughs> and then the last poem, Superman, uh, Superman Supermarket Library. Mm -hmm. um, this one, you know, I thought, I, I don't know if I'm right or not, but to me, it seemed like, you know, the, the idea of going to a supermarket is kind of odd in a way because it's like you have all these different things that could pertain to you and then you have to go ahead and pick and choose and depending on what you choose it affects you know your life like that kind of thing I don't know if I'm hitting yeah, the no, it it was yeah so the dream was literally like you know like in their library those kind of I, I keep thinking like more in America than in Britain but there's all particularly like in films and stuff there are you know, really floor-to-ceiling books and ladders that move mm -hmm. along. Um, and this was, I went into my local supermarket and it was floor-to-ceiling food and all the ladders and stuff. Um, but like you say, it was picking up a thing of whatever was was more about the consequences and the actions and the guilt and all that, um, rather than just going to the supermarket and shopping for food. But yeah, literally like a library, but for food and where you're kind of judged and it's all in silence and... I don't know. <laughs> it was pretty much just trying to relay that. <laughs> now I'm talking about this, I'm kind of thinking you might not include me in your podcast. No, 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 no. It's like very exciting to me. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it, I think because of this poem, and again, you know, you weren't even trying to make anything out of it. This is just out of a dream, but um, it also makes me think like, every time I do go to a supermarket and I go through like some certain aisle and I'm like, all right, you really don't need that, but I really want it. And then sometimes I go ahead and make that impulse purchase. And I'm like, okay, well that just is like an extra 300 calories that I didn't really need. You know what I mean? Like it reminds me of that. Cause you're talking about, um, you know, finding what suits you and the environment and where you are in your life. And you know, throughout the course of your life, you're buying different things. Like right now, I'm not buying any baby clothes because I don't have a child. But like yeah. in the future, my shopping habits will be completely different depending where I am in life. So it kind of, yeah. it adds a little extra flair there. Yeah, we, we very, I feel like we very rarely buy something just because we want it. 
um, there's always so many other factors and decisions that come into it. Mm. I don't know how deep you want to take that. Um, but yeah, we, we very rarely do something because we want to. There's right. so many other factors and consequences to think about, which is a good thing that we consider other people's opinions and feelings, but also not a great thing when we get stuck in those kind of ruminative circles and that kind of thing. Um, right. Yeah, I guess it's going for that. <laughs> and then you have one last poem for us, so you can go ahead and introduce it. Yes. Okay. Um, so I posted this one on Instagram. Um, this is called 50p incense burner. You are the charred wood on the corner of the table, spectating countless birthdays and one too many vigils, the after and the permanent reminder. I just want you to wake up and act better than the rings around your core. You are more than the years you've lived. You are your leaves and the weathers that have worn you down. You are everything. You are all the seasons. In every moment, I can only think of you and being who I want to be for you. This one's really, really touching and it's short, <laughs> but I feel like it says so much. <laughs> um, and I can just like, your imagery is so, um, what's the word? Dead on, is that the word? <laughs> no. Yeah. no, that's awesome, I'll take that. <laughs> Thank you, that's very I'm literally envisioning like a piece of wood on the corner yeah. of the table and it's just watching all these memories pass them by and they're just sitting there you know idly being forgotten about and that's what I think of you know when I'm reading that that's amazing um, I love writing poems like that like we're literally trying to convey exactly what I'm thinking you exactly. know thank you <laughs> <laughs> um and so then is this about a specific person a memory a feeling yeah, um, this is about Callum, uh, my partner, um, but also I really hate my birthday, so it was just trying to, yeah, merge the two, the, the love I have for him and the support he gives me and the hate I have for that day of the year where I have to commemorate my existence <laughs> and trying to sit with the two um, and just, yeah, a bit of appreciation for him and for how he's changed my attitude, mm. I guess. But also, yeah, just how easily we forget things and, yeah, how they can just sit there. Like I say, charred wood on the corner of the table, you just kind of, you'd, you'd sit with that. You could see it every time you kind of sit down, but you don't really think about it or where it came from or that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Definitely one of the most romantic poems. Mm. Um, and I think this is the kind of stuff that definitely does really good on Instagram because everyone wants to oh, read yeah. a lovey-dovey poem. Yep, short, yeah. short poems that fit into one slide. Um, yes. And romantic poetry. But I mean, that's, again, it came from just to, you know, lower the tone again. Um, it came from a really low place. I didn't write it thinking I'm going to do an ode to, to Callum or I'm going to write something romantic or even something relatable. I just looked at my incense burner and was like yeah let's talk about that so it didn't really yeah and talk you know talking about my birthdays and things it didn't really come from a happy or romantic place and I quite like doing that sort of turning poems on their head and you know coming from an anti-romantic place almost um and then it ends up being something like you say so mm -hmm. exciting and that happens I think it makes it you know even more special because you didn't intend it to be that way and it still came off that way so that just goes to show like you know how you know 
strong your feelings are for him and how much of an impact he is to you because it wasn't even your intention and it ended up being that way so yeah no it's, it was exciting when I kind of decided to post it and I was like yeah this is you know when I know a poem is never really done and all this but I was like yeah this poem is done and that's exciting like you say for it to turn into something different mm-hmm so you have read all of your poems. Thank you so much. Uh, oh, thank you for the opportunity. It's, sorry, I'm yeah inexperienced in all this, but it's, it's awesome <laughs> to be able to share it with you. And thank you for being a very kind host. <laughs> well, of course, um, I've enjoyed it. I absolutely love reading other people's poems and getting to actually talk to the author and get all my questions answered because I feel like I'll read a poem and I'll be like, but what do they mean by that? I want to know. And it's like, oh, this person has 50,000 followers. They're not going to answer me. <laughs> um, but I really enjoy you offering your perspective and giving me all your answers and really, you know, diving into your work and explaining it because I know a lot of this stuff is very personal and, you know, some people just want to leave it at that and they want you to try to dissect it yourself. But I really do appreciate you coming on and sharing this work with me. And hopefully in the future, maybe we could do this again. Yes, please. <laughs> Sorry it took me so long, but I would absolutely love to do that. And yeah, thank you for the opportunity because like I say, I haven't done this before and it is, yeah, I feel pretty good about it right now. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> could you tell our listeners where they could find you? Uh, yeah, so um, I'm... HMR writes on Instagram, um, also Facebook and Twitter, but Instagram is like my main platform. Um, my website is hmrwrites.com um, and I've also got all of my work in the shop there. It's all very cheap, but if you ask me nicely, I'll send it to you for free. So <laughs> just get in touch and let me know because I'm, I'm more interested now in sharing my work than making money or, you know, being famous or whatever. Like I'm more interested in just sharing poetry, talking about it, and just having a bit of fun, to be honest. I'm kind of over trying to get followers and all that. So, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's where to find me. HMR Rights is where you'll find me. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thanks everyone for listening in and you'll see us next time. Thank you for listening in to Poetry Unraveled. Subscribe to my channel to keep up to date with new episodes. If you like what you heard, I would appreciate your rating. Until next time, I'm your host, Bubba Eyes.